This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 144-inch. On this episode, we conclude our interview with Craig Armstrong, the Emmy Award-winning producer of Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution, Survivor, Mr. Show with Bob and David, and numerous other projects, including seven music videos with Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al Podcast. Happy Groundhog Day! Thank you, and happy Groundhog Day to you, too. Happy Groundhog Day! Thank you, and happy Groundhog Day to you, too. I'm excited because not only is today Groundhog Day, but it's also our episode 144-inch, which means we just reached 12 feet! What do you think about us finally making it to 12 feet, Dave? 12 feet? 144 inches? That's actually gross. Gross? Why would you say that? There's nothing gross about our podcast, Dave. Yeah, well, that's true, but there's certainly something gross about this episode. Dave, we both showered at least once since last week, and we host off our intern Frank over the weekend, right on schedule. Why are you saying we're gross? No, no, no. Of course we all smell fine. I say that because gross is a word for an amount equal to 12 dozen, or you know... 144? Well, Dave, that may be true, but you know what's definitely not gross? This week in Weird Al-related news! A new tour date was recently added to the upcoming The Unfortunate Return of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour. That's right, this July 27, Weird Al will be performing at the Goodyear Theater in Akron, Ohio. Tickets go on sale to the general public starting this Friday, February 4th at 10 a.m. Burrito Burrito Time. Over on our official Facebook group at group.2000inch.com, our friend and Patreon supporter Jake Larson alerted us that he heard a Weird Al song show up in the promo for a new TV series on the History Channel. The promo for Adam Richman's new television series, Adam Eats the 80s, includes the song Eat It and will premiere on Sunday, February 27th. Adam Eats the 80s, you say? Well, I look forward to him chowing down on a lot of Rocky Road ice cream, bologna, Ryan Kaiser bread, potatoes, lasagna. Yeah, I think that about covers it all. As we reported last episode, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog Show Let's Make a Poop for San Francisco Sketchfest featuring Weird Al has been canceled and refunds will be issued to ticket holders. Unfortunately, it has come to our attention that the ticket holders are only receiving a partial refund. As it currently stands, City Box Office will not refund the service fees paid for the tickets. It's always a bummer when an event you're looking forward to is canceled, but it's extra disappointing when you're still being charged for the event. So while Let's Make a Poop will not be taking place, in the spirit of the show, the city box office is treating their customers like poop. And there you have it. This week in Weird Al related news was gross after all. And in a very unfortunate segue, after talking about gross poop, now it's time to hear a message from our longtime restaurant partner. This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan burrito restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped-in-a-quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, Dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food. Always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. Last episode, we shared part one of our interview with Weird Al and TV producer Craig Armstrong, where he shared incredible stories, including the untimely fate of Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Let's pick up the interview with Craig right where we left off last episode. Already in progress. So just to get back to some of these music videos, I think chronologically up next would be The Saga Begins. Yeah, which is is one of my 
again one of my favorites now it's it's from a it's a parody of a when i was younger i i, I the song was not like real well known to me right I, I knew the song, but it wasn't like a, like now I love the song, right? Right. But it was just right. felt like it was an old, older type song. But um, the experience of Saga was just off the hook. I mean, it was just, I remember him, um, I, I don't remember if he sang it to me on the phone or if I went over. Um, oh, by the way, I have a funny story uh, of going over to Al's house. It was the very first I think it was either it was the first time I'd ever been over to Al's house. And so what okay. typically would happen is Al Al would sometimes call and go, dude, I, I have this great, uh, you know, idea. I've got this great song I want to do. Come over. Let me play it for you. Let's start talking about how we can break it down and make it. Wow. And so I remember I remember going over there and it might have been for Saga. I just can't remember which one it was for, but let's say it was for Saga. Um, and I was going over, and um, as I got there, I got the weirdest, like, uh, upset stomach. Like, just, you know, like, clearly something I had eaten. Um, <laughs> and and I, was, I was struggling, but I was trying to be cool, right? I'm in Al's house. Right. It's the first time I've ever been at, <laughs> been at Al's house. You know, we're, we're, we're up in the hills. This was before Al was married. You know, we're like up in the hills. It's like this great bachelor pad overlooking the city. And I'm like, I'm here. And, I, and, I, and, 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 and I'm sitting with him, and we're talking about it. And I go, Al, I got to, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. So excuse me. So I went to the bathroom. And I proceeded to puke all over oh, no. the bathroom. Oh no! Oh. I'm talking not, I'm talking not gentleman's puke, but I'm talking like <laughs> hurled. Oh, you know no. the type that you have to clean it up. You can't just flush it. You got to clean it. Oh and, no! And I, I looked up from that, and I'm in Al's guest bathroom, and I'm like, oh my god, I just hurled in Al's house. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I was trying to clean it up with toilet paper and it just wasn't working. And finally I just came out and I said, look, I, I, I'm, I think I'm sick. I think I've got food poisoning. I need to clean your bathroom up. I'm sorry. And Al was the coolest guy. He's like, dude, don't worry. Here's this. And here's that. And here's some cleaning products. And you know, and, and basically I, I cleaned it all up. And then I think I, I uh, quickly left to go puke at my own house. But he, but he oh, was like, he was, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the only guy that's ever puked, uh, that much in Al's house, but <laughs> he, was, uh, <laughs> he was so cool about it. You know, it didn't phase him one bit and, uh, and you know, and, and, and there, there that was, but on saga, I just remember him singing the lyrics or playing the lyrics for me. And I went, Oh my God, this is the entire, this is the entire Episode one, you just basically laid it out. This is episode one of Star Wars. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, Yeah. it's just episode one. I went, I love it. And so we we then proceeded to then go find... You know, lo- locations, the cantina, which was on stage, the uh, the wardrobe, the, the 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 special effect makeup. I mean, it was just fantastic, right? We went we went all the way out to a place called Dumont Dunes, which is um, way out in the desert uh, near Death Valley, and um, and we went to go shoot all those exterior sequences. If you remember, you know, Al's in a robe. We had the piano there because the emperor's playing on the piano. (laughs) And it just so happened to be like 125 degree that that they were shooting. And I had, I probably lost six crew members to heat exhaustion, including my AD. And um, it was so hot. And, but Al, because he had the hood and he had all the stuff on, Al and the band guys were, I think, relatively okay because they were protected. But the rest of the crew was struggling. And, you know, to, to haul a piano out there was a oh, nightmare. Wow. Yeah. And, oh, and, but but the shots that we were getting uh, on those dunes, were, were they were epic. They were epic shots. And I just remember going, 
It doesn't matter. This is going to be unbelievable how this looks. This is going to look incredible. <laughs> and we sh- we used that entire day right up to, there's a se- sequence where he gets onto a um, crane or a lift uh, and, and then rides up with it in one continuous shot. And it, and, and the sun was basically down, but we were still able to capture that shot of him rising or lowering. I can't remember if it was rising or lowering, but, but it was, I just remember it was the last shot of that day that we needed to get. And we were worried we weren't going to get it. Everyone was collapsing on us. And, uh, ultimately we ended up getting the whole thing and it was just spectacular. Um, and you know, and then we moved to the sound stage where we had all these extras and we were, we were, you know, we were mimicking the, uh, cantina in most Eisley. And, um, my son, again, I bring my son into this. He was at that age where he was just a star Wars freak. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, but he was, but he was yeah. young enough that when he came on set, he was convinced Al was a Jedi. he was was convinced he was he just knew al was a jedi so i went up to al and i said al austin that was my son's name that's my son's name i said he he thinks you're a jedi i mean he really thinks you're a jedi and he's convinced you are and what did al do al turned around called him over and gave him a lightsaber wow oh how cool and and blew his mind Blew my mind, you know, and here's Al, Weird Al, Jedi Al, giving my son this lightsaber to to keep wow. and kind of be an honorary Jedi. It was really a special um, day because, one, my kid got to see me work on the set of Star Wars parody right. with Al, but two, also, you know, he got to, you know, meet a real live Jedi. <laughs> yeah. How incredible. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. You mentioned you're a, a, a Star Wars fan and getting to work on that. I mean, there's a lot of great scenes and references. I am wondering, though, was there any sort of restrictions or anything you guys had to watch out for from the George Lucas company? Or was it just you guys had free reign to kind of do what you needed to do? Um, You know, I don't remember having any issues with that because it was a parody. Yeah. And so we were... Uh, it was original piece of work, um, and we were just, you know, I think the rules would be different today probably, but back then, I don't recall us having real issues. In fact, what I do remember is we were shooting uh, Weird Al Yankovic live. It was a live concert, yep. and we were shooting it up in San Marin County, up where Lucas, uh, you know, Lucas's ranch is, right? And we were up there mm-hmm. shooting that, and I remember me and uh, a coworker, a friend of mine, we were in a, um, a sushi uh, bar. We were a sushi res- restaurant and um, in walks George Lucas. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, so George walks in and, and my back is to the door, but my friend goes, holy <gasps> shit, that's George Lucas. <laughs> and we had, we had just done, we had just done saga, not more than probably six months ago or not even, you know, it wasn't that long ago. And he's like, you have to go up and say hello to him. I go, I go, I'm not going up and say hello to George. I go, George doesn't like, pe- George doesn't like people. I go, I know that. I'm not going to go say hello to the guy. He goes, you, he goes, you have to, you did saga. And clearly he has seen it. You have to go talk to the guy. And so I said, look, if he's still there when we're leaving, maybe I'll say hello. And so, uh, we finish and he's getting his takeout. He's waiting for his takeout. And we go up and sure enough, there he is. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like six, four, the guy I was with was about six, two. And we came up to him and we just, and I don't even realize, I didn't even realize at the time, but we kind of cornered him and we just went, Hey, George, <laughs> oh, no. how you doing? And he looks at us and there was this long pause. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. He's looking back at me. And I went, um, and then my friend goes, he did, um, you know, the saga begins the weird Al Yankovic video. Um, he just did that. And George looks at me and he goes, huh? He goes, 
I saw that. <laughs> and there was that there there was that long pause again, and and we basically just stared at each other again. And I went, "Well, listen, it was uh, it was great to meet you." And then we left. <laughs> oh wow! It was the most it was the most embarrassing, awkward celebrity meeting I've ever had. Wow. But he saw it. He watched it. Hey. It, yeah, I mean, didn't the Saga Begins music video show up on one of the Star Wars Blu-ray collections? <laughs> it might have. I don't, I don't know that. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> that would be fantastic if it did. It, it, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, look, he did see it, and he didn't. He didn't look at me when he said he saw it. Like you're an idiot. He looked at me like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I took that as a compliment, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, Saga was just, it was, it was such a big undertaking and I just felt it was really well done and really well executed. And, um, it was just a really good time and I, I loved it and I've had, maybe a handful of people in my lifetime come up to me and, and, and reference saga directly, you know, and, and talk about that particular music video. Usually Amish is the big one yeah. that most people reference the most. And then right. Saga's number, number two in the, in the referencing uh, of that. And I, you know, and those people I usually know are star Wars fans. And, um, but that one was always be a really special one for me because obviously because of my son and just the, yeah. my love for the the, the movies yeah. and me, me meeting George Lucas and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I mean, I've I've heard people <laughs> reference, you know, like uh, I, I think the the uh, one, two, and three have become more popular within the past five years or so. But there there was a, a time where they were really kind of uh, crapped on by by Star Wars fans, and I, I've heard more than one person say that the correct watching order is skip episode one and just watch the Saga Begins video and then go right on to the second one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be more fun, that's for sure. I thought I thought episode one was a stinker, man. I was just like, ugh. But you know, I was the I was the OG uh, Star Wars. I I like the originals. Better because obviously I was twelve when right. those came out. Right. right. So for for me for me those were the best. And you know I have these arguments with my kids all the time because my kids, uh, my Austin grew up with episodes one, two, and three, and my son now grew up with episodes what is it uh, uh, five, six, and or six, seven, and eight. I can't remember the number now, but seven, eight, uh, nine. And I just still th- seven, seven, eight, eight nine. Yeah. So nine, I, yeah. I, I I still think the. Uh, the middle ones are the best ones because I grew up with those and they obviously think that they're ones they grew up with are the best. Ones. Right. Right. But, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would take that advice. It's like, if you skip episode one, watch saga begins, you'll get it. You'll understand what happened. And then just, jump, just jump right into, you know, attack of the clones. Now, speaking of clones, I would love to hear how you guys put together that the final scene in the video where there's a bunch of Obi-Wans all standing together. Well, that was just, you know, it's just green screen work. I mean, we shot Al um, and all these different variations, right? And um, him doing, uh, uh, singing everything, him uh, making all these different faces, looking in different directions. We just shot plate after plate after plate after plate of of a single owl and then we just in post combined them all together and put them in there wow yeah i mean are there repeated ones in there or is each owl that you see a different take of owl i don't know i mean yeah. i'm sure there are repeated ones in there i'd have to go back and look at it but i don't think we had a ton of time to shoot you know um too many variations but we just needed to vary it up enough that it looked like there were <laughs> relatively all different within your within your eye line, you know what I mean? Right. Oh, it's it's such a great spot. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> well, that was the cool thing about uh, Al videos is that for the most part, you could always count on some green screen action. You know, you could always count on some special effects of some sort. 
you know, there was always something big that was going to happen. And it was really the challenge of trying to execute it in a way that would be really, really cool for the money that we had and still pay tribute to the video that we were, you know, doing a parody about. Right. Right. Sure. Because it was a thing, you know, Al, Al really, really, um, wanted artists to be okay with him doing the parody. He really did. And he tried hard many times to get the blessing of the artist. There were some that really felt they had made it if Al did a parody and they were like super grateful and they were like, they were like, absolutely. And then there were some that were like, no way. Don't you ever, ever, uh, do something like that, you know? And it's funny because Al created his own institution, right? He, he, um, he, there is nobody else like Al. There's a lot of people trying to be like him, but there's no one that can do it for as long as he's been doing it and successfully as he's been doing it. It's just what we're talking like generations, right? Yeah. Um, of, of this sort of stuff. And, uh, and it's, you know, he's, he's always cared about the people that he's doing the parody for, uh, or with, and he's, you know, he's always wanted to get their blessings and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I guess this is the last video you did with Al would have been, it's all about the Pentiums. <laughs> yes. All about the Pentiums, which was, um, another favorite of mine just because we shot it. Um, you know, Drew Carey was in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> Emo's in Emo that. was yep. in that. Yep. We had, we yeah. had a lot of people show up for that one. And, we shot on a stage and then we shot in an office complex office building in, in I think Alhambra, right? There was this office that let us shoot on a weekend so that we could have those cubicle vibes and all that sort of stuff. And, and I loved doing the cubicles and then having a dance floor with all the dancers, the really hot (laughs) girls Yeah, in the office. It was, it was just so much fun. And then to have Al, all dressed up looking swanky and cool and you know right. uh, with the with the with the pigeons flying out of the car when he gets out you know <laughs> yeah. slow-mo it was really um a lot of fun because uh we we would we used a lot of people in that one we had crowds of of nerds and, <laughs> right. and crowds of um you know right. people dancing to him on stage and you know and and i remember the level of detail that Al would give in um, some of these shots, like there's a shot where he's on stage and we have a, you know, a Titan crane that has to come in close to him, you know, on the last line. And, and we would run that. I think we ran that 20, 30 times just trying to get that right <laughs> moment. Oh, wow. And we had a ton of people. We had Al, we had the band. We just had all this action going on, but we kept just trying to nail it, just n- trying to nail it, just trying to nail it. And, you know, if we didn't get it, we'd do it again. And we would just keep going until we yeah. finally got it. <laughs> and, you know, and that sort of stuff uh, paid off, you know, and, and uh, Drew was fantastic. I mean, it was so much fun to see, drew and al together in that <laughs> tiny little yeah, tiny little right. force perspective stage you know it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun great yeah <laughs> i do i yeah i love that yeah, video and, so much well it's such a great song you know the yes. original song is just a really great song yeah. and then and then al's lyrics and his sort of putting it into sort of the nerd category and the tech category was just so fun, you know? I mean, it was just a really, it's just, it was alive, you know? That's what I really liked about <laughs> yeah. that video. It just, it just felt really alive and a lot going on. And, and there was just all kinds of cool factor happening. And, and, you know, again, all these videos took us two days. We did two days on these things. So it's incredible. It is. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an underrated video. It's it's you know it doesn't often get the recognition that I think it should. It's it's definitely a a fun 
fun video. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much action going on, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it does it. You know, it's really funny. I don't know why some get real good traction and others don't. Because I do agree with you. Pentiums was just a real. I thought that was a real winner. I mean, and it, and it is. I think people yeah. who love Al love that video. And I love it. And I've, I've, I, uh, every now and then I'll look at her, I'll show my kids or I'll show new people, uh, the video. Right. It's just, it's just, <laughs> I'll probably go watch it at the, tonight, Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a really fun one, you know? And I really wanted to do, um, the Linwood, um, one as well. I, I was really, really wanting to do that. Um, we just didn't, we just weren't able to, the timing just didn't work out. I think he, you know, I had gone on to do some other stuff and he was uh, not doing anything at that moment. And then all of a sudden, White and Nerdy came up. And uh, I, I can't remember if I begged him or I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but I really wanted to be a, be yeah. a part of it. And, you know, towards the end, I would come in. I came in like on one video he was shooting. It might have been White and Nerdy. I can't remember. But because they were going off schedule. And uh, I remember this like it was yesterday. I came by just to see him and then Al's like, we're behind. Uh, what can I, what do I, what should I cut? And so he and I just sat there and we tried to figure out what was worth saving and what was worth cutting and trying to figure out how to make the day. Wow. And still get a really great video. Wow. But I didn't know anything. I didn't really know anything about the video other than I just wanted to help him out. And I really badly wanted to see him succeed. So I was like, well, cut this, don't do that. Go ahead and finish that. You know, I just kind of did all that stuff and then, and then I left, but, but, um, but, um, yeah, I, 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 if I could have done all the videos, I would have loved to have done them all. I, I, I hated that I didn't get to do Nirvana. I hated that I didn't get to do fat or, uh, you know, yeah. eat it or yeah. any of those. Right. I just, I just, I just loved all those. Right. And so I'm just honored that I was able to be a part a little part of his world for a little while, you know, to me, it was just, it was completely life changing for me. You know, I just realized that comedy is everything and, you know, really well executed comedy just does so much for people, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I've since gone on into other, on other comedy stuff and obviously Mr. Show and, and uh, a bunch of other types of shows that I've done. I did the Jenny McCarthy show a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's always the weird Al videos that to me are the best. They're just the best and they're, they're timeless in my mind. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's generation after generation keeps rediscovering Al, you know what I mean? Yeah. And definitely. it's just fat. It's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me that, that, you know, me as a 56 year old, um, is so locked into what he does, but then there are these 30 year olds, 20 year olds who, who are loving all the stuff he's doing now. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, it's yeah. incredible. It really is. I think the last project we have to talk about is that Weird Al Yankovic live concert film. How did you get involved with, with that one? I guess that's kind of a departure from some of the other things that you've done. Well, again, I think that was in the middle of all of our stuff that we were doing. And so it's just, you know, once you get going with someone, um, it's just easier to just keep going with them. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that between Jay, between Jay and Al, you know, I was their producer for that period of time. And so anything that was coming down the pipes for them, they would just call me and they would go, are you interested in this? Do you want to do that? You know, and, and we, I just think Al had com a comfort level at that time with me and the guys and the crew that I brought. Um, and I just think he felt more comfortable. Um, you know, we had been through the trenches on a lot of videos and, you know, we'd seen each other work and I think he, uh, liked what I did. I certainly loved what he did. And so I just felt, I think there was just a shorthand. And so it's just easier sometimes to just keep working with the people, you know, yeah, and they're still kicking it and knocking it out of the park as it is to try to find somebody new and, and figure it all out again. And, and again, I think the only reason that that happened is, is there was this lull. I can't remember why, but there was this sort of 
short window where Al wasn't doing anything and I needed to go work and I found other work and I started getting into, I started doing survivor and you know, uh, um, all these other shows and it just, before you know it, years have passed by and you're like, Oh, I'm kind of out of it now. I was like, I, I, you know, I think I've even tried a couple of times. I've texted Al and said, Hey, if you need me, (laughs) you know, just I'm here, you know, that kind of stuff. But you know, but he's moved on and he's found other people, I'm sure, and stuff like that. But I, it, it, if I were 80 and Al called me, I would go, go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, no matter what yeah. I'm doing, if he calls, I would do it. I would work with Al again in a heartbeat just because I think he's just an incredible guy. He's an incredible human being. You know what I mean? I, I know people know him as an artist and know him as a you know, a a person who really uh, does great music and great lyrics and he's just super funny and super relatable. But I just think he's a really great guy, you know, and he's got a wonderful family and, you know, uh, I knew him before he had his family and I knew him a little bit afterwards. Um, And I've seen him grow up his, you know, and and they're still together. I just think it's, yeah, he's just a great guy, you know, and he's normal just like the rest of us, you know. So I love him. I love him and I always will. And I, and, and, and I tell him that every now and then, you know, I think even when I was texting him was just uh, today said, I miss you. Hope you're well, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Craig, before we let you go, I, I know Dave and I have some questions about some of the non weird Al stuff you've worked on. Although I do have one question if it, if you were involved in this. So I, I see that you worked on extreme makeover home edition and there's actually an episode that Al shows up in. Did you have anything to do with that? Well, it may have been after I left because I was on extreme season one and, um, a good part of season two. And then I, I had an, I got an overall deal with ABC. So I left extreme makeover and then went on to do Super Nanny. And so uh, it, it was probably after I had already gone through. Okay. I was part of the original, you know, trying to figure out Extreme Makeover and trying to crack that format and, you yeah. know, myself and Tom Foreman. So we were just, you know, we were part of the original uh, seasons. Uh, and then I left shortly after that. Okay. So... You were, you were not the reason that Al was there. No. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't because I've asked him so many damn times to be on some of my shows. The fact that he did home edition. Like, like, what the hell? But no, I, I, I was, I was not, I didn't have anything to do with that, but I'm glad he did it. Yeah. I think it's really good that he did it. Well, you mentioned super nanny too. I, I was such a huge fan of that show when it was on. That was always a blast to really? watch. It's so fun. I mean, how how real <laughs> is is Super Nanny? Are are these kids real? Are they, you know, are they actually these little terrors that you see on TV? Well, yes, they're very real. The the but the issue is, is Super Nanny is not about how bad the kids are. It's about how bad the parents are, right? Right, kids, right. Kids are kids, and kids kids are kids, and they're not really bad the parents just allow them to behave a certain way so you know i wanted to do super nanny really bad because i was a parent myself and i had a lot of things i wanted to talk about on how to be a better parent mm-hmm. but that was the thing that always surprised uh families on that show is that they thought it was us coming to fix the kids but it was really us coming to fix them <laughs> <laughs> and and some parents didn't like that too much. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but the truth hurts, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, if you're doing something incorrectly, uh you have to be point it has to be pointed out, especially if you want it fixed. You know, it's just it's like training a dog, do you know what I mean? It's like if you train the dog poorly, the tr- dog's going to behave poorly. Mm-hmm. Um it's with anything, you know, if you are raising something or taking care of something and you don't do a good job doing it, well then what do you expect? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Kids are just, kids just aren't organically, you know, behaving. They, they, (laughs) they need to be guided and taught, you know, otherwise they're going to go crazy. Mm -hmm. But that was a fun show. It was a good show. Extreme makeover was a life changing show for me. Also that, that show I learned that I could use my, cameras for good Hmm. you know like it wasn't just about entertainment it wasn't about 
uh, comedy. It wasn't about uh, drama or, you know, like Survivor where you're stabbing people in the back and all that stuff. <laughs> I realized that I could, I could actually use the cameras and do something that was meaningful and something that was good. And so I began a really strong journey after home edition. And if you looked at my credits, it sort of says that, you know, I, I, uh, super nanny, I I feel like was a a show for good, even though it had a lot of entertainment to it. Um, you know, and I did Jamie Oliver's food revolution, which was another show about trying to help kids eat better in schools. Right. And, you know, and, and that was really for good as well. And so I've always tried hard to do programs that weren't just purely entertainment, but they were more uh, trying to do something positive and trying to give back or just trying to activate people. You know, we watch TV either passively or actively and actively means you look at your person you're with and tell them you love them or you hate them or you're mad at them or you're you're happy or whatever it is but you get up and you go and do something you know you either try to make yourself better you try to lose weight you try to eat better or you try to be a better person and so those were the shows that I really really tried to do and and gravitate towards and I think are super powerful Mm. yeah all right, but you did mention Survivor, and in my family, Survivor is one of those must-see series. It, it we seriously, we sit down together as a family, and we eat dinner together, and we watch you know Survivor each and every week. So for me to find out that you were involved in Survivor in some of the very early seasons is just is just incredible. I just would love to hear a little bit about your experience being, you know, the co-executive producer on Survivor. I have so many questions. You get to go to the islands. And oh, see them filming. 100%. I mean, I was, oh, I was, uh, my job during Survivor was to find the locations. Wow. Go oh. and scout, <laughs> go and scout those locations, then make sure we had the infrastructure uh, to shoot the show. And then I was out there every waking moment we were shooting that show. Um, and, you know, I did seasons. Oh, incredible. Uh, I did seasons four, five, six, and seven. So that would be, um, uh, that would be Marquesas Islands, Thailand, uh, uh, Amazon, Panama. Uh-huh. Those were my seasons. And, um, so if you remember, uh, Panama had Rupert, the pirate in it. Um, and, um, you know, Right. Marquesas, Marquesas was the introduction of Boston Rob, you know, and yep. um, shows like that. And Amazon was just incredible experience as well. And that's where I met my wife and, oh, wow. you know, who I'm still with oh, to this day. Nice. Yeah, we we fell in love in the Amazon and, and um, we've been together uh, almost 20 years now. So uh, Sur- Survivor changed my life also. And, and Survivor, yeah. very, very different from... Um, the music videos survivor taught me that I can do as an executive producer, I can do anything. The confidence that I gained from uh, being a part of survivor was just unmatched. I mean, it was such a massive show and a massive undertaking and just a large, you know, like in the Amazon, I had a thousand people under my uh, watch um, at one wow. point, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just a lot. Wow. It's, it's, it's full on like a, f- a feature film. And so, um, I, I gained so much confidence and experience off of that series that there is no series that I can't do these days. So I'm very grateful for survivor and Mark Burnett. Yeah. There's such amazing shows, such an amazing concept for a show as well. I have to ask, how involved were you with setting up any of those challenges that they did? Well, my my role in terms of challenges was mainly from a, an approval standpoint. So, John Kierhofer, who was the ch- is who is still the challenge producer, um, would pitch all these challenges to us, and uh, and then we would say yes to the number of pitches or whatever he wanted to do. And then when we were out there, um, 
they had to be tested. They had to be, you know, tested again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. I would, I would be out there to watch the test and, and, and if we had to make tweaks or we had to, um, do something different, you know, I would be a part of that. But, you know, John had his uh, challenge team wired tight and they were really great. They had, they were just really, really good people and they knew exactly what they were doing. So they, um, they did incredible work. And so really all I had to do, all I had to do was watch a lot of times and occasionally add a, add a couple of things in, but really not a lot, not a lot. Okay. I was going to ask, did you get a chance to actually try out any of those challenges? Well, I wouldn't, not necessarily, because most of the time when they were running challenges, they had the dream team, which is a bunch of kids that were in their twenties. Um, and, okay. uh, um, and I was not in my twenties, so they, I just didn't, you know, I needed to one, watch it and see it. Yeah. And, and two, you know, at the, at that time I was probably 60 pounds heavier too. So I just wasn't mm. in, in the shape to do a lot of that, that physical work. And so I just really wouldn't get that involved with them. Um, yeah. I, I would love to see them. And sometimes there were these puzzles we'd play with and we would try to do stuff like that. Right. But, but mainly we left it to the dream team, you know? Yep. Gotcha. But I've since visited survivor sets and, you know, we've horsed around and played with challenges because, you know, Jeff Propes um, is a friend of mine and he, he married, in fact, uh, my wife and I. Oh, wow. Back when. And, How cool. Yeah, oh, wow. And so, and so, you know, we, we, it's been a while, but we, we would go and visit like when he was in Nicaragua, we went and visited. Uh, I really mm. want to go see him in Fiji, um, but it's oh, just yeah. been <laughs> you know, hard with, with COVID and stuff like that. Sure. So another thing that fascinates me about the show is is how you know you bring these players together that have never seen each other before or met before, and then you also split them usually into two or three tribes. What kind of I guess oversight did you have as far as you know how to determine which players went on to which tribes? Well, I mean, I was involved with casting, so when we would cast, they would they would you know like fifty contestants hopefuls would come to Los Angeles and it would be myself, Burnett, Jeff, the network, the casting, um, director Lynn, and you know, just a bunch of people like we had psychiatrists and and doctors and people like that. And they would go through physicals and they would go through, uh, psychological tests and things like that while they were there. And then we would, we would basically whittle them down over the course of the the two weeks, we would whittle them down to the 16 or how many ever we were using for that season. And then once we picked them, then we would just collectively try to figure out who would be on what tribe and what they, you know, how they would be divided. Uh, and it was back in mm-hmm. those days, back in those days, they weren't, we weren't doing these, you know, old versus young or, or right. blue collar, white collar. We weren't doing that. We were just doing people, right? So it was a little bit easier yeah. um, to just sort of put people in groups because it didn't really matter so much. You know, you just basically go, all right, here's your group and let's just split them up. Let's not have too many girls on one side or too many weak people or too many old people. You just try to, yeah. you know, balance right. it out as much as you could and then, you know, make sure there were good characters on both uh, tribes um, mm-hmm. and then, and then off you went, you know, and then, and then you just see what happens, but it was a big process of casting. Casting was a huge thing yeah. on that show and really, really trying to find the right cast. Now, are there any characters or, or cast members that really stick out to you, you know, during the couple seasons that you were there? Well, I mean, Boston Rob is one of my, you know, faves. Yeah. He's a, fr- he's a friend of mine. And, and, uh, in fact, I was just talking <laughs> to him, uh, a couple months ago, because I was trying to get him on a new show that I was doing to host it potentially. Oh, cool! Um, mm. And so, yeah, and so I love Rob. I think he's a fantastic guy. Um, I Rupert, I just absolutely adored and thought he was yeah, just Rupert. an incredible character, just a real good stand-up guy. Um, I didn't like this guy, but I thought he was just incredible. Television was Johnny Fairplay. I thought Johnny was. Just, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, just the perfect villain. Uh, he was. was really just <laughs> fascinating to watch. Uh, in fact, I have a small little story, if you guys have time, of of Johnny Fairplay, where 
we were doing a challenge. You remember the challenges where the the loved ones would show up, and yes, it was very, yes, it was course. always very emotional, and it was very compelling, and you know they had to win the challenge in order to to hang out with their loved ones, and so right. um, this was Johnny Johnny Fairplay was in this season, and he had a friend show up, and. We're on this, we're on the water. I, we were on a dock or something. I can't remember what we were on, but um, this friend walks over to Johnny, whispers to him, and then Johnny just starts breaking down. And Jeff goes, what's going on? And and Johnny said, uh, you know, I think it was either my grandmother. I, I can't remember who it was. He goes, but my grandmother has just passed away or my mom has passed away. She just died. And everyone was like, oh my God, you know, everyone was, you know, all the contestants were kind of getting around him and all the contestants were trying to make him feel better. And Jeff came over to me and he's like, how can we not know this? How do we not know that this guy lost his, his, his mom? And I said, I don't know, Jeff, let me check into this. So we called (laughs) while we were on that dock. I had production call his mother or call his family to see what was going on. Yeah. Well, sure enough, his mother, his mother answers the phone <laughs> oh, no. and we're, yeah. we're, we're like, are you, you're clearly not dead. Are you okay? She's like, I'm fine. She goes, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. So, so the, the production team comes back to me and they whisper to me cause we're still in the game and they go, yeah, he's lying. There's nothing wrong with his uh, mom at all. Oh, he's, he's lying. <laughs> And, and, and so I pulled Jeff aside and I said, Jeff, he's lying. She's fine. And he got so angry and I'm like, wait a minute. And and we, and we all collected around Jeff and we said, this is his game. He's playing. You cannot screw with his game. If he wants all the contestants to believe that his mom died, then you got to go with that. You got to let that happen because he's trying to win. Right. So you just got to be, you got to be cool. And Jeff, Jeff just couldn't believe this guy threw his mom under the bus. Right. (laughs) He was so upset and and we were all just blown away. We were like, unbelievable. This guy completely, you know, killed his mom off or his grandmother (laughs) just to try to get an immunity or something like that. But it was right. and it eventually came out and eventually they voted him off, but it was just classic. It was classic survivor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think in the show it actually played out that way. I think in the show, in the final cut, it was this huge shock that he had lost a, a loved one, and then eventually it came out that he actually was right. lying. It was just fantastic. <laughs> you, you can't plan for something like that. That's just gold. <laughs> no, you can't. And and that's why you know I remembered it. I was just like that was just unbelievable. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, so we, we've had some time on Survivor. I just want to really quickly hit uh, my favorite show, Mr. Show with Bob and David. Uh, Craig, was this the first TV show that you worked on? It was really close. Yeah. You know, it was really close because I was I was just, uh, it wasn't the first. There was a bunch of shows before that, before Troy okay. broke off from uh, the production company that he was with and then started his own. And it was when he started his own I went with him and we started doing these types of shows. Got it. Um, okay. But it was it was the first series where I had some real responsibility. I was like, I was teaching myself how to be a director. I was teaching myself how to be a producer. Troy was helping me. I was learning uh, movie magic scheduling and budgeting. And, you know, I was doing mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, and I would go out and shoot a lot of little things that were put in the show remotely, you know, like you would sometimes see a van out in the middle of the desert, you know, and it would start, we would start racking closer to the van or something like that. I would go out and shoot stuff like that. Okay. And, you know, I was just, I was really just cutting my teeth on all the, um, the films that we were shooting. Cause we were still shooting in film, uh, for all these. Wow. And so I didn't really, I didn't really have a lot to do with the, uh, stage stuff, the studio stuff, it was mainly all the um, films that were rolled into it that okay. I did all I did all those for the first season and part of the second season, if I remember correctly. I can't remember. And what's funny about Mr. Show is I don't have a lot of memories of Mr. Show 
other than um this one <laughs> and it was <laughs> we were shooting we were shooting in a park with Bob and David and we were shooting two uh sequences one was the new KKK <laughs> okay okay and another one was the the uh it was a PSA for the for Nambla, the man of man, uh, man love boy association. <laughs> okay. And I don't know if you remember those at all or not, but anyway, the new KKK was a, basically about Bob and David in white sheets with hoods on and they're frolicking, frolicking in the, the park with a new member of the KKK, which is when he pulls off his hood happens to be a black guy. And they're talking about how the new KKK is coming around and they're, you know, they're a new organization and they now accept black people. And it was just really, <laughs> really racist. It was really racist, right? I mean, there's no way we could do Jeez. that show now at all. And I just remember we're shooting that sequence and I'm laughing, having a good time. And I think it's really funny. And they think it's funny. Everyone thinks it's funny. And I look to the parking lot and there's all these black guys watching us. And they're not happy. Oh, no. They're not. Oh, no. They're, they're not happy at all. And I think, I keep thinking, God, what are we doing? This is like, this is not right. <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this. But we just kind of kept going and we... I think we ended up feeding them or, or talking to them and helping them out. And then the, the man love boy association PSA was basically we had kids with a bunch of grown men. And then we, they were having barbecue and a picnic. And then we put black bars over their faces, the, the guys. And then they did this whole PSA about how great it is to be a part of the man love boy association. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it, Mr. Show was that kind of humor that either you loved it or you hated it. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was no in-between. No in-between. And, you know, I mean, we were doing all sorts of all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, and I just had a blast on that show. And I that show, that season was really just a real, it was my college doctorate, I would call it. It was what I d- had to do in order to become a well-rounded producer and a director. <laughs> It's so amazing to have worked on that. And I mean, it's, it's, it, there's not many sketch shows that you can watch that were filmed in the nineties and, and still appreciate them. I think as much as you could have when they aired as Mr. Showed, I think holds up for me. I get stopped. I get people tell me when they know what I've done, they, they, the things they talk about the most are survivor weird Al and Mr. Show. <laughs> We've covered it. <laughs> Did well, it. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's true. I mean, they, people want to know all about Al. They want to know all about Survivor, and and and, and then they start going towards Mister Show. It's the wildest thing <laughs> to see because I was I was such a I was such a kid making that show, and uh, you know, it's again one of those things you don't really think about. You just your head's down. You're just making TV. You're making comedy, and you're just doing it day in and day out, and you just don't realize what you've done until it's all over with. Right. You know, until right. It's gone. Yeah. Very special time. That was for sure. I loved it. Well, Craig, what's next for you? What did, what's something you're working on that you're excited about? Well, I just, I just finished, um, a, um, a survivor like show for NBC. Oh, that I'm really excited about. I was in Costa Rica Ooh. for the last, six weeks right before Christmas. Um, and, uh, I shot that and I think it's going to, I think it's going to be on Peacock cool. and potentially NBC or maybe NBC oh, cool. and then Peacock. They, they have to decide, but yeah, it was, it was really a fun show. It reminded me of the, of my survivor days, which is why I really enjoyed it. Oh, nice. Um, and then, and then my, I just had an, a show air on ABC called magic maker which was a feel good transformational type show. Cool. It was just a special. It aired it aired on Thanksgiving Day. Um and so that one I was kind of proud of because it was just a really you know, it 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 had a good feeling to it and I thought it was good. Um so I'm posting I'm in edit now for this NBC show 
and um, trying to take a little bit of a a breather. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. This has just been so much fun. Thank you for taking the time to to go through each and everything you've ever done with Weird Al and then some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> certainly, Dave and I appreciate it. We know the, the audience listening right now appreciates it. Where can we find out more? Should we go to your IMDb? Do you have a website we should uh, watch and refresh daily? Well, I mean, you know, look, I don't I have my LinkedIn. I have uh, my, you know, Instagram that um I kind of, I'll post, you know, a lot of times photos of my shoots on my Instagram, uh, which is Craig Armstrong media. Um, so, you know, what I just sort of, I, I kind of started that cause I realized I have a lot of really great photos. I should start putting some of these photos in. So I kind of just started that not too long ago. Oh, great. Um, yeah. So, you know, if people want to see what's going on in my world and, Craig Armstrong media is usually on Instagram is usually a good place to go. Cause at least I have photos there that you could see. And there's photos from King of the nerds. There's photos from, uh, some early survivor days, photos from top gear that I did mm. with Dax Shepard and Rob Corddry. And, oh, cool. And, uh, and then some photos of, um, stuff I did with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. The rock. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, that's, but yeah, I don't have, you know, I don't um, have really a website and stuff like that that I try to maintain. It's just, it's, I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So we'll check out Craig Armstrong Media on Instagram. And I can't wait to, to see what other projects you end up working on and what, what's to come. You've worked on so many incredible things. So, Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. This is this is just a blast. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I, I love it. Uh, that you guys invited me is nothing more fun than talking about Al. I love the man dearly. And, uh, you know, I think it's fantastic that you guys have a podcast about him. So keep that going on and, and, and please have me back whenever you want. I'd love to, you know, keep talking about him. It's really fun. Huge thank you to Craig Armstrong for joining us for the past two episodes and indulging us with incredible, pretty stinking majestic stories about some of our favorite things ever. Survivor, Mr. Show, and of course, Weird Al. Be sure to follow Craig over on Instagram at Craig Armstrong Media. And we want to thank John Bermuda Schwartz for sharing a few photos of Craig with us from his personal archives. Be sure to check those out over on our official Facebook group, group.2000inch.com. Oh, that sound means we've got a call on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. All right, let's take a listen. Hi, Dave. Hi, Ethan. It's your friend, time traveler extraordinaire, Jackson Scoggins. I'm just coming to y'all from February 8th, 2022. To let you know that on February 7th, 2-7-2022, I will be camping out for 27 hours on Weird Al Yankovic's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in order to raise money to have me travel across the country and follow Al wherever he may go. I will be live streaming and uh, raising money uh, to fund this adventure, you know, uh, with a with a Venmo, a PayPal, and whatnot. Uh, it is uh, it is underwritten by Discover Darwin the uh, the event, you know, just to get the general technology up to speed. Um, but the plan is to is to get there Sunday around noon and stay there until uh monday you know around uh 227 uh noon hold up let me do the math two noon five until five you guys i i'm i'm not the math expert i'm the time travel expert but uh you know i'll uh, i'll definitely post more about it or i did post more about it <laughs> This time travel has got me all messed up. Um, that's about it, I guess. This means I have to commit to it if I'm leaving this voicemail. Huh. Well, I'll, 
design a poster or something. All right, bye. Jackson, thank you so much for sharing this incredible news. You know, because you're calling us from the future, I wish you could have told us how the event went. But I, I understand, you know, you don't want to give away spoilers. But we will certainly be watching along. I, I don't know that I'm going to watch the full 27 hours of the broadcast, but I'll watch at least 27 seconds of it. Well, Jackson, best of luck to you as you sit out in front of Weird Al's Hollywood Star for 27 hours. Please let us know how the adventure goes. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also bored. The Darwin Township Board meets on the first Tuesday of each month. If you're unfamiliar with Days of the Week, Tuesdays are the days before new episodes of Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast drop. Be sure to set your reminders because the Darwin Township Board meeting conveniently starts at 2.30 p.m. And that means you only have to miss half a day of work if you want to ensure your voice is heard. If you're not sure where to go, it's at the Darwin City slash Town Hall at 305 Curran Street. The Darwin City slash Town Hall? Wow! I absolutely love how Darwin City's Town Hall is named after Slash of Guns N' Roses fame. Now, as pretty stinking majestic as that would be, unfortunately, that is not the case. In this case, Slash is literally an actual physical slash between the two words. So what's that mean? It's just like a city hall or a town hall or whatever? No, 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 nothing like that. It's even cooler. It's both! So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each episode of our podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, and Jackson Scoggins. Dave and I would like to share a personal apology to our close personal friend, Patreon supporter, Jake Larson. Our no-good, lousy, rotten, smelly, ugly, gross, stinking intern Frank accidentally edited his name out of episode 143-inch. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, we apologize for our intern Frank's unacceptable behavior, and we thank Jake for his generous and continuous support of our podcast. We would also like to thank all of our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, including Jake, UH Jeff, Jake, Kenneth, Jake, Scott, Jake, Zeb, Jake, Adriana, Jake, Allison, Jake, Blair, Jake, Frank from the Bank, Jake, Jared, Jake, Javier, and Jake. And thanks to Jake and everyone else in our Pretty Snake and Majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. Additional sponsorship opportunities have opened up, so if you want to show your support and hear your name and message on every full-length episode, plus all the other pretty stinking majestic perks that come with joining the Patreon family, please consider becoming a sponsor. Head over to patreon.com slash 2000inch or email frank at 2000inch.com. And speaking of our lousy, no-good, rotten, smelly Intern Frank, you can pick up our brand new line of We Hate Intern Frank merchandise over at shop.2000inch.com. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans. Join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27-hour-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message in a future episode. For everything about our podcast, including incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you are subscribed because not only does it help the podcast, but it also makes you look really cool. Thank you once again to this episode's guest, Craig Armstrong. Also, thank you to Jake Larson, Roseanne McElvain, John Bermuda Schwartz, Jackson Scoggins, VideoForce.ca on Instagram, and Jake Larson. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. 
and a big thanks to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for choosing David Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast. And until next time, remember to gill and chill. Dave, did you know that 144 is the emergency phone number for animals in danger in the Netherlands? I mean, I love animals and all, but respectfully, that's a terrible idea. A terrible idea? What do you mean? How exactly is an animal in danger supposed to dial 144? Oh, you're right. They don't have any thumbs. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 144 Inch. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 144 Inch. I'm pretty sure I'm the only guy that's ever puked that much in Al's house.